What's up, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of Granny's Peach Tea. We are at episode 28 at this point. 28, I know, 28 episodes, huh? We, wow, we, we've been doing this a while now. I know, we're like not professionals. I was about to say, we're, we're experienced, if you want to call it that. Yes, we're experienced amateurs. As, exactly. As I was taught in the fifth grade, the only difference between an amateur and a professional is professional gets paid. Exactly. So, but thank you for joining us tonight, wherever it is, if it's on the Facebook stream or whatever uh, possible post that you're a part of, you're joining us on YouTube, if you're joining us on Instagram or Twitter, welcome. Welcome to the geeky goodness of a jar of urine. <laughs> uh, or if you're in a podcast, uh, if you're joining us from a uh, audio-only version of your podcast, thank you for that as well. Uh, with me, as always, is Jason. Jason, what's up, man? How's it going, Eddie? Good to be here, man. Good to be here. Uh, I came up with my Suicide Squad name in honor of this uh, this this episode. I think I might come up with a new name every time it, I see that it calls for it. I like it. What, what so is it? Uh, property of Harley Quinn. It's also the nice. tattoo that I have because because again, you know how much I love Harley Quinn. Uh, and and I think if she were a real person, I would probably be in a, a terrible relationship with her, and I <laughs> and I probably would have property of Harley Quinn tattooed on my back. So nice, nice. Um, but yeah, good to be here as always. I'm excited about this show. I know it's uh, we wouldn't have much tonight, but what we do have, I think, is pretty big. I, I think so. I mean, we got we got uh, an episode of Legends of Tomorrow. We Which do? you know is always exciting and, and wacky, and as well as you know DC, the brand new DCU movie, The Suicide Squad, which we've been clamoring for for quite some time. It's oh. gone through some delays, but it's finally here. It's finally here. in theaters and then HBO Max, and we sure as hell got to enjoy the shit out of that one. We did uh, on on last Thursday night. We did, yeah. And then again, now that now that like things have opened up a little bit again, and hopefully it stays that way. Knocking on wood. Uh, that you and I have been actually able to go back to the movies a couple times now. Yeah, no, it's where we're getting back in the flow of things, man, and, and it feels great. And hopefully, you know, things continue to, you know, they get better, they head in the right direction, and the movie theaters can stay open, and we can keep on, keep on doing our movie theater experience and, and exactly, keep that going. exactly. Um, but as we like to do with our in our opening segment of, of Granny's PC, Jason's going to catch us up on. His rewatch, well, actually, watch. Watch. This is not a rewatch. Your watch of Baywatch Nights. All right. Now, before I do this, I, I've made some discoveries, and I can now further tie this segment into what we do here at uh, Granny's Peach Tea. So, this is a comic book thing, right? Well, I realized just this week that all three of the main leads in this show are from comic book stuff. So, okay. Angie Harmon is the, the voice of Commissioner Barbara Gordon in Batman Beyond. This is true. Right? So okay. Angie Harmon, so, right? And the, the, the guy who plays Ellerby, his friend, the guy who used to be the cop, he played the mayor in the new Swamp Thing that came out a couple of, a couple of years ago. Wow. All yeah. right. And then obviously we have, we, you know. We have David Hasselhoff. OG Nick Fury. 
Exactly, which is how we got into this mess to begin with. Um, but yeah, jumping into Baywatch Nights, we get the origin story of the Buchanan, Ellerby, and McBride Detective Agency. And yes, that means I've actually fully invested in this show that I remember everyone's fictional name because that takes me forever to learn. Uh, and it's an origin story. It's pretty much like it's it's the it's the best because uh, Ellerby and McBride, who's Angie Harmon and the, the Swamp Thing mayor, uh, they're just on a stakeout. Like they're waiting for the guy carrying the MacGuffin of the episode and Ellerby's selling hot dogs and they just start to reminisce. Do you remember how we started this agency? And then it's a flashback to when they started the agency. Uh, and what's really funny though is all of these episodes have uh, Mitch Buchanan giving uh, sort of talking to the audience because it's kind of noirish, right? And he's our lead detective. But he's not actually in the scene with the, he's not part of the storytelling, but yet the episode still ha is from his perspective. So I thought that was kind of funny. <laughs> um, nothing super crazy this time. Uh, and by nothing super crazy, I mean the way they start the detective agency is Angie Harmon's character, McBride, is duped by a world-famous detective called, uh, God, where I wrote this down. I've got to find it because it's like, oh, Mickey Pine. The guy's name is Mickey Pine. So she's duped into buying his um, his detective agency for $25,000, and that's $25,000 90s Bill Clinton America money. That's a lot of cash. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, so she moves here from New York, invests in that. He has ripped her off and fakes his own death. Not to rip her off, but because he was also undercover in the jade smuggling business. And he was setting up the jade smugglers to make a move. So he faked his own death and used Angie Harmon to lure them out. But he doesn't refund her money by the end. And by the end, her and Ellerby and Buchanan have to go in together to... To, to make it happen. So it was the origin story of the detective agency. Wow. So yeah. you, I'm surprised they didn't spin it off to uh, Bay White's Night's Origins. It should have been. I actually did have to check that because uh, the way it was shot, I was like, I wonder, because Angie Harmon was in one episode of Baywatch. And mm. I was like, I wonder if this was just the episode she was in and they did it like a clip show. Like, oh, let's tell this story. But it wasn't. They actually really did write and shoot new things. Is she playing the same character? She is. No, she is. She's okay. playing McBride. Like, so that's, they, but that's probably how they spun it off. It's like, okay, we're going to, we're going to take the, the cop, the, the beach cop and this New York detective who we we're going to just jam in there. And that's going to be our spinoff cast. All right. All right. But, so, I mean, there's no chicken this week. There's no shaft. No, no chicken, no chef, nothing. Again, this was a tame episode in comparison to the other ones. Like, even with the jade, the weird jade stuff, it was, uh, oh, oh, yeah. And there's a weird driving jazz music montage. That, that was, yeah. So, like, Ellerby's driving and there's jazz music and it's cutting back to jazz musicians playing in the bar and then it's cutting back and Buchanan's driving and Ellerby's falling asleep. That's probably the weirdest thing in the episode. All right. So, we're going to chalk this up under one of the uh, least exciting episodes of Baywatch yeah. Nights that we've got to hear about so far. Thus, yeah, thus far, I was like, it's going to be disappointing. Uh, but I have to ask, because we actually, I forgot to ask you, we didn't discuss it on Thursday. Did you have a chance to, to watch any of these episodes? 
Unfortunately, I did not. Okay. But I'm going to watch the chicken right. episode because that one will not get away whatsoever. <laughs> now you got that, That's the one to watch. That's that that it's either that one or the one about the phone sex operator. If I was going to say we had to watch one of them, it's one of those two because those are the craziest so far. Well, the reason, maybe part of the reason I couldn't have time to do this is because I was I had to answer my own questions surrounding He Man and Shira that I could not let go. From our from last week's episode, so I had to keep on doing some more research and watching more episodes. And then I got into this whole discussion with uh, Jerry's cousin Danny. We were at a Yankee game, and he started. We started talking about it, and then he we went into like the new adventures of He Man and why that happened. And it's it's yeah, it's it's sad. It's, so do you have do you have some interesting takeaways from like this new rewatch? Like, have you have you learned invaluable things that people listening might need to know? Um. All right. Well, I mean, I I did rewatch He Man and Shira: The Secret of the Sword, and we were wondering what was Shira's deal exactly. So apparently, what we what I discovered in that because that was her introduction, and that was actually a film that was released in theaters, right? And I do recall seeing this in the theater, yeah. right? So, but I just apparently blanked out on any of the details. So the thing that I discovered though was that Shira was actually working for the Horde. On another, you know, another. I don't know why it was another dimension. It was just kind of weird. Why another dimension? I don't know why it's Athena. just not on Eternia. Yeah, it should just be somewhere else on Eternia. Yeah. Right. Or just say, hey, another planet that's like next to it, and that's it. Right. Whatever you want to do. It's another dimension. She's working for the Horde. She was kidnapped as a baby because apparently Hordak went and stole Shira. She was. He was going to steal uh, the king and queen's children. But only was able to get away with Shira, right? And did not grab uh, Prince Adam, and then escaped and jumped into a whole other dimension. And then I also found out that Hordak was um, Skeletor was his pupil at one point. What? And was on Snake Mountain, like that was his stomping grounds. And apparently, he comes to Attorney at the end of it, and is like, "Oh, my pupil, my pupil." He keeps calling that, I'm like, "We get it." We understand what that means. Okay? You taught him. All right, we get yes, it. We, we understand. So enough of that. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we found that out. And then like the uh, the sorcerer was involved. She was having some dreams or some crap like that. Like, And then she she had this. I don't know where. They don't explain where the hell the other sword came from. She just has it. And it has the whole you know, gem in it and everything. And it's showing her like visions and stuff like that. So she calls Adam, gives him the sword, go find, go to this other dimension, go find uh, the right person to give it to. Like, you'll just know. She just literally know. doesn't say, she says, yeah, you'll just know. And I, I guess the sword kind of just tells him exactly who it is <laughs> because he gets into some shit with this whole thing. And I didn't realize she was leading, like, she was leading a rebellion on Athena, uh, uh, was it Athena or Athernia, whatever the hell. Her plan for is Hordak or against Hordak? No, so she's for Hordak, and then eventually, like, Adam is hel- Adam and He-Man are helping the rebellion there, so she ends up flipping sides after He-Man says, oh, go see what they're doing, they're evil, like, you're not gonna like it. And she actually does that throughout the episode, and she sees that the Horde is evil. Oh. The fact that they called the Horde, and all this other stuff didn't tip her off. I mean, but she apparently. She didn't no. know they were evil. What with the child abductions, like no, she had no idea about the child abduction. I don't know what Hord. They never say what Hordak said she came from. <laughs> but whatever. There's a lot of there's a lot of things left out. Okay, but 
Then what happens, though, is that, yeah, she sees the Horde as evil. He-Man's captured. The sword ends up telling her stuff. And she's like, all right, I got to help him. This is who I need to help. And then she just picks up the sword and, you know, the honor of Grayskull or whatever. And they never say how she knew how to do any of this. <laughs> and she just turns into Shira right there. And then she That's finds great. a horse, you know, is Swiftwind and all this other crap. So I got Wait, my art. Yeah. The, the horse comes after? Like, the horse wasn't a part of it up until then? Not really. Yeah, it's, 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 kind of, it's kind of a little bit of a bizarre... Be, because origin. Cringer... Cringer was actually Prince Adam's cat. Like, yes. No, <laughs> that's horse, why he becomes Battle Cat. No, the horse is just there. And then when Shira and and He Man go back to this like rebellion, then he's just like, listen, she's okay now. It's okay. She was misunderstood. And she boom, was, that's it. She ends up becoming the leader of it. And that's she, what. That's yeah. crazy. That is so the, crazy. So the story ends on Eternia, right? Because he go the horde of Hordak, of course, goes to Eternia, and then they got to go fight there because they have like twenty different battles. By the way, both of them change back and forth like eight times each, and I had the whole music stuck in my of head course. of all of it. And uh, yeah, so they go ahead and it ends on Eternia, and, and the the king and queen are so happy and thrilled to see her again. But she's like, "Listen, there's a rebellion on the other planet. I need to go help them. They're being, you know." Suppressed and everything by the horde. I got to go back and defeat them. I can't just kind of like leave them hanging dry. So that's why she's over there and not on Eternia. Okay. Because she kind of, which is fine. Okay. I can buy that's, that. I can yeah, buy yeah, that. Yeah, that makes sense. Let me ask you this question: Did she spend any time with any of the other horde, like Grizzlor or the guy with yes. the eyes? Yes. How did she not know Grizzlor was evil? Nope. Didn't know any of it. She's very naive. Oh. Apparently, just extremely naive. I mean, if you like, I don't understand this. This is—that's the thing I'm gotten. I've, I've got like, I look. I can accept that she just knows how to use the sword. I could. All right, the sword went. Hey, this is what you do. All right, I'll accept that. Yeah, right. But to go, what the horde is evil? Oh, I've got to open my eyes. It's like, have you spent time with these creatures? I don't know, man. She, she, I'm just gonna write it up as being pretty naive. But my my whole thing was, I just wanted to know why the hell she wasn't on on Eternia. And okay. I got my answer. That was my main thing. And then I ended up watching the rest of it. And the opening credits have a song that apparently is her song when she changes to Shira. Like it just it's it play, but they they eliminate all the words from the real song, and it's just Shira, Shira, like fifty times when she that's, changes every time. That's hysterical. That's yeah. hysterical. I, I I think I want to like I I we've been we talked about this. I want to go back to watch some old Masters of the Universe, but I think I also have to tap some Shira. I got to check out some Shira Princess of Power cartoons. I listen. It got high regards from that documentary I ended up watching. That's what I'm saying. It didn't stop with our episode. Yeah. I kept going. <laughs> I, I kept going because I had I, I had questions I needed answered about a cartoon I watched when I was five or six years old. Apparently, so <laughs> uh, you know, very very bizarre. These are the important questions, my friend. This is why we're here. Exactly. I mean, we're, we're, you know, why else? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's, let's let's get into what we got here. All right. Uh, Jason, take us through because uh, the only UCW show that's back as of not this moment, because actually while we're recording, Superman and Lois and Star Girl are on, but we'll be covering those episodes next week. But right now, we got DC's Legends of Tomorrow, season six, episode eleven. Jason, what were your thoughts on the episode? 
Oh, of course, I love this episode. This again, this show is so avant garde. It's so crazy. I, you, I, I, I gush about how I love how crazy it gets every week. Uh, and and this ep- this week, we find uh, we find the legends. So all right, so the legends are all split up. So our our A story is Captain Lance, Spooner, Astra, and Rory are looking for the final pod of the aliens they're hunting down. And in that pod is this box, which is an invitation, quote unquote, which beams them to a bowling alley in space. And this is a bowling episode, my friend. Yes, very much. I was waiting for like a kind of like a big Lebowski reference. I was, I was too. No, nah, no Lebowski. Although, uh, although I did like, I did like the the antagonist Mike the Strike Merv. Yes, that was good. That was good. I like it. <laughs> like when he's when he's got the ball, he's got Earth, and he's like doing yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but so, all right. So then that the whole the whole thing there is they're stuck and they have to beat the champions, which are these guys I just talked about: Mike the Strike, Merv the Swerve, and uh, I didn't catch the third one's name. Um, and so they have to beat them in cosmic bowling, which is they bowl with your planet, and if you lose, they put the planet their your planet in a trophy case and annihilate your species, including you. And so, as soon as they say they'll do it, Earth disappears. Now, Zari and Nate go camping on Earth. Uh, and if you remember, this is Flannel Zari. This is alternate alternate universe Zari. Who's um, our OG Zari? She's our OG Zari, yeah. And I'm glad they brought her back because I actually really like that version of Zari. I like her better than the, the current one. I do too. And I, and I, I, I think it's fun that they let this actress show her range because yeah. she's giving two different character performances. But mm-hmm. I do like the OG better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so they go camping, which means they're on Earth when it disappears and comes to this bowling alley. And so their whole thing is they're trying to, they're camping with uh, next to these obnoxious people who have, they're the people who camp, who like, they play the music and they brought a TV and everything's plugged in. Um, so they're trying to figure out what's going on because the world is ending. And then we have Constantine uh, and um, Bayrod. And Constantine, so Bayrod just trying to make pot brownies. That's kind of his thing. Yeah, I, <laughs> I, love that, I, I love that character. Dude, um, high as fuck all the time. <laughs> all the time, and it's wonderful. Uh, and but, but the important part of this is you see Constantine really starting to abuse the, the powerful evil magic that he's been drawing his magic from, which was set up last time. Uh, and, and so, like, you know, the whole episode's real fun. They, they play the game. Uh, it, it's a good thing that Captain Lance is a natural at bowling. It's a good thing that Spooner is uh, apparently like you know knows the art of bowl foo or whatever because she does this weird dancing like routine. <laughs> I kind I was thinking that I, I was really thinking. I thought it was and see that's when I thought we were going to get the Lebowski thing because I kind of thought it was an ode right. to the Jesus. Right, right, right. But who they, I absolutely love in the Big Lebowski. Of course, it's it's one of the fun, most fun moments. You yeah. go fuck with the Jesus. I love, I love that. that. Um. Yeah. So then, uh, uh, there's. I think one of the the best like uh, character moments comes from with Mick, Rory, and Spooner because Rory. So Spooner's really good. Lance is really good. Uh, Astra sucks, and she won't even try. And uh, Rory won't take his gloves off, so he can't actually put his fingers in it's a bowl. And no. Spooner keeps giving him shit. 
And eventually, like, uh, Lance goes, you know, with, with the help of, like, the kindly old gentleman who owns the bowling alley, who's an alley and who wants them to succeed because he's lost control of his bowling alley. They, she decides, we're just going to have fun. We're going to drink. We need nachos and drink beer. It brings them closer together. And Rory has this nice moment where Spoon is like, why won't you just take your gloves off? And he lifts them a little bit. He's got burns. And he goes, uh, some, some – there are, there are images in the past people shouldn't see, you know, and it, yeah. I thought it was a nice moment. And then they figure out how he can like, you know, cut the, cut the gloves and still keep them on. And then of course he's also really great in bowling. Uh, and, you know, hashtag spoiler, they, uh, you know, the world doesn't get destroyed and they win, which, which is a good thing. It is a good thing. Um, yeah, they win. Oh, and there's actually there's a great, great, great montage. I forgot this. The D story is with Captain Sharp and Gary picking out a, a wedding dress, and Gary's trying to keep her occupied because they can't find Earth and they can't find um, Captain Lance, and the wedding day is coming up. And so, like at one point, Gary's wearing a wedding dress, and they're both drinking <laughs> champagne. And I just love that character of Gary. I just think they. They just go so so many fun places with him. And the butt of the joke isn't that, oh, my God, it's a man in drag. The butt yeah. of the joke is he gets so into this that he is also <laughs> trying on dress. Like, this is for us. We're, we're drinking champagne and we're picking out a dress and we need this. And so I just think that that was a lot of fun. Um, and, yeah, and, and yeah, that's pretty much that. That's the episode. I thought it was a this was a, a legitimately fun episode. Definitely worth watching. All right. Well, before I get my thoughts on this, because we have we have a, a special guest, a mm. guest host this week, who's been with us a couple of times. Uh, you you've seen him his stuff on uh, Pop Culture Pros. He's popped in. He does Just Too Sweet. He's been with us. He's been on Empire One Six One when we were doing Star Wars stuff too. Uh, we got the great Bert. Bert, yo, good to What's have up, you, brother. Good to see you. I, I it ha, it's been a while since I had some Granny's peach tea, so I had to come back and re up, you know. <laughs> you I know. Listen, there's there's always plenty of uh, Granny's peach tea for you, Bert. <laughs> you're you're always a good mixed ingredient in it. Plenty to go there around, go. my friend. <laughs> Cheers. Um, yeah, you got you guys were talking about legends, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just about to to drop mine, and we want. I know you watch the DC, you know, see the CW DC shows as well. Uh, mm -hmm. But I was actually going to say, Jason. The one thread, like the one, the D storyline this week with with uh, Sharp and Gary, that whole uh -huh. thing just annoyed me. I was just kind of oh, like, really? I don't know. It was just pointless in a way. Like it was just like, all right, we got to give them something to do. So here it is. And yeah, I just think overall this episode was probably my least favorite of the whole season. Okay, and I, I didn't that. hate it. I didn't think it was yeah. like, listen, I didn't think it was complete trash or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not don't get me wrong. But I just think that like they were they're on such a bizarre, crazy run up, and this checks off the boxes with bizarre and crazy because we're talking about cosmic bowling cosmic and the Earth bowling. being decided by a freaking bowling uh, game of bowling and stuff like that. So that was pretty wild. Um, but I was like, I don't know, I was I was okay with it. It was I don't feel for Legends, it was a little underwhelming. Yeah, um, I see that. Bert, what were your thoughts? Because I know you're you're a big fan of Legends of Tomorrow as well. Le Legends is probably the best Arrowverse show right now. Besides, I'm with you. Besides Superman and Lois, because I'm with you. But like Legends, like Flash, like if we have to talk about Flash, it's fine. I kind of fell off a little bit on Flash this season. Mm -hmm. I'm just kind of like over it. But at Legends, like can't for me, it's can't miss because I feel like even though it started out a little rough because they they kind of. <laughs> 
we're stuck within their parameter of the time traveling and all that stuff. Ever since like season four, like season three, they've they've yeah. Accepted, yeah. they've accepted the weirdness. Yep. They've accepted the crazy stuff. Like it's just full on. Like they have no regrets. They basically found what their niche is. And this mm-hmm. season, like literally, they had the episode with um where it turns into like a Disney movie for like a second with <laughs> yeah, yep. yeah. It's just like it's crazy. And like um I'm happy this season that Constantine is getting more more play because he's kind of been background a little bit last the last couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Um I love loving Spooner. I, I you know when she first came on I was like uh eh, but then she's grown on me a lot like yeah. really yeah. really fun character. But this episode was fun. I mean you know the what what were they called? The the pin killers. The pin killers, oh, yes. <laughs> That's a goaded bowling team name if there if there is one, yeah. right? Um, the fact that like Nate and Zari were like on the earth when he was like picking up the ball and like what is that? And it's like oh it's a finger and they shot the finger. <laughs> yeah, that was a great moment. I was like what is this? This is so yeah. good. And, um, and the line before that is well you can win this but it'll take a miracle and then that is what happened. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Exactly. But yeah, I, I just love it, man. Like for me, like, you know, the the, the the fact that they were able to do more with Gary that they've done in from compared to past seasons, the fact that he's an alien, that he's like, you know, had this whole history. Like I was just like, oh my God. Cause I was wondering last season what the hell was gonna happen uh for this season. How are they gonna get back Sarah? Where is she who took her and mm-hmm. all this? But like the for me this season so far has been awesome. Yeah, like, no, I'm, it, I'm they, yeah, they're having a great run, and, and Bert, I think, yeah, we, Jason, and I both agree with you. There, this show is definitely, well, I think now because Black Lightning is is yes. wrapped, yeah, you know, and which I think if we had to rate the entire this whole year, we probably have Superman, Lois, Black Lightning, Legends, or I don't know, Jason, do you, no, you. Where were you at between the got to pick between Black Lightning and Legends as number two? That, that, that's like a Sophie's choice. That's hard because they're both tonally so different. Oh yeah, yeah. totally. And like I think you know, Bla- I thought Black Lightning, I thought Black Lightning was great. But I think like thinking about all four seasons of Black Lightning, I think it was probably its you know third best. Whereas okay. this, I think, is on par with past seasons because again i just rewatched all this stuff so like you know i think if we're talking artistically i think of course black lightning is better because they're doing more artistic things but if we're talking about quality within the show i think this is maintaining the quality of the program better than season four of black lightning did as good as it was that's fair that's absolutely fair i was just curious because i know you you know you're the legends guy you were our black lightning guy yes so I was curious enough. Yeah, I had to pick between one of them. It's almost like picking between, you know, you got two children. I was like, which one is my favorite now? Exactly. And to point out, I didn't pick. I simply said they were both yes. good in their own way. So I agree. Ah, I like it. I'm ready to have my second child, guys. That, 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 was, a, that was a great way there to answer it without answering it. That was that, that was awesome. That was absolutely awesome. Um, all right, no, no, but yeah, Superman and Lois. I think we all agree. Yeah, that's yeah. the gold standard now for the CW verse and Bert. What, what, what a surprise! What a, what a pleasant surprise! This Absolutely, because I think we all like, agree. I had I had no idea what this what show was going to be, because mm-hmm. I did not like. I can tell you, I did not like Lois the casting of her in the crossovers okay. in the last couple seasons. But on this show, like the way that they've expressed her character and the stuff that she's done, love her. Like her, because you feel like, oh well, you know, I just want to see the Superman stuff and that's it, right? 
but even the character stuff with the kids and with the school and everything and with the relationships they're having, like it's awesome. Like you want you want to watch all of it, and the quality is just for a CW show. Like the quality is excellent. Yeah, it's great quality. And I'll tell you something: I don't really like Superman, so I actually am not the person watching this. Going, oh, I just want the Superman stuff, and the stuff with the kids and the family—that's the stuff that I'm going. Wow, this this is what's making this show really engaging. Like yeah. getting to see like this godlike creature have to just be on, you know, as like a regular dad and and a husband, the guy who messes up. So like I think for me that's the big draw for it. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, I think we lost uh -oh, we lost Eddie. Ed? I think we lost Eddie. Oh no. Oh no. Oh, and also too, I think tonight was the uh Season two premiere of Stargirl. Did you see yes. you saw season one? I did, yeah. I caught up. Uh, I am actually caught up on uh, Stargirl. I watched all of that. I watched all of uh, Doom Patrol, which is coming out soon. Nice. Uh, I watched all of uh, Titans, which, man, have you, are you up to date with Titans? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm up to date on everything. Uh, oh, my I, God. I mean, literally, I watched Stargirl like, on the DC app before before they ended it. Like, nice. That show. That show you want to talk about like show. You want to talk about pleasant surprise also like that. Like I mean, I'm familiar with the characters because I'm more really into DC, but um, but I had no like the fact that the kids are like going up against like, you know the the adults that are like evil villains. Like it was yeah. just that whole mess. Well, and like like Luke uh, Luke Wilson as as Pat, you know. Great. Oh yeah, yeah. He's so fantastic. He is fantastic, and he's so put upon, and he's such yeah. a nice guy. And there's a, that moment, and this moment actually made me tear up a bit at the end, where when she gives him something and she calls him dad for the first time. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, because their their relationship is so earned. Like they start out at one point and they become very close, and I you buy it watching it like step yeah. by step. That by the end, when she has that moment, like you feel it because it was such an earned moment. And I, I also like too how Courtney, I believe it was one of the second to last episodes where she got she got her um her uh, her up and comings basically. She got yes, you know, it was too cocky with everything and she got kind of toned down a little bit and actually helped the character a lot um and also too like you know the 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 budget for the show i felt like they handled everything very well like uh especially like with grundy like he mm -hmm. showed up in the first mm. episode and then they show him at you know in the middle and then a little bit towards the end uh uh icicle or the the main villain like uh awesome the little yeah. brother the little brother awesome like everything about the show is just it's just perfect. And yeah, two, like I can't wait. Um, I I saw the trailer, so I know there's going to be a little bit of spoilers in there, but you know, definitely some Green Lantern teases, which I can't wait to see. Um, and now that you know, I feel like DC now not only in the movies but in on on their television shows, anything is possible. So there's absolutely no, there's no such thing as a main timeline. There's like this timeline, this timeline, this universe, this universe. Everything is fair game. Which is, I mean, we're going to talk about it, but why, you know, the movie that just came out works so well for me. Absolutely. And I and I think that's the right way to go for DC. I think, you know, the DC, DC, you putting all their baskets in the Snyderverse. And, you know, look, people love the Snyderverse. People hate the Snyderverse. People are ambivalent yeah. about it. Whatever your feelings about it. I think putting all their eggs in those baskets didn't really pan out. So I think the best thing for them is to just go crazy. And go, okay, fine. Multiverse, yeah. multiverse, multiverse. And we'll just, we'll have some fun with these properties. Yeah. 
I'm sorry about that. I had apparently some technical difficulties. Don't my Wi-Fi went crazy yeah. or something? And I was like, wait, what the hell's going on? Bye. No but, worries. We we literally went stone silent for like the entire time, and then when you came back up, Bert was like, "No, we got to say something." He's going to think we're idiots. <laughs> I thought we got totally booted. I'm glad the episode didn't get totally interrupted. Then. Uh, yeah, we were oh, just talking works. about Star Girl because uh, Star Girl premiered tonight. So Bert and I were talking about the first season. Okay, yeah, no, that's definitely looking forward to catching up with that and finally getting to cover that uh, next week. Um, all right, so I know Bert was just talking about yeah, DC's multiverse thing is pretty much you know the way to go. I mean, in the comics, that's kind of their bread and butter. It looks like now they've adopted it between the shows and the movies and all of that. So I, I agree. It's it's. Just, just they're go, they're going with it. That's it. Like they can just throw anything out. And say, hey, listen, there's a different timeline. Move on. They understand that the audience accepts that. Now. Yeah, yeah. Which is why I think it was weird that the Flash chose this time of all times to end their multiverse timelines. Like, hmm. yeah. Well, I think just... they were well they were following Crisis because in the comics, Crisis that was DC's way of saying, oh, we made too many. Let's try to bring it back. But then they always started all over again anyway. So it's kind of just their version of a reset button. That's okay. always temporary. It's never permanent. It's always temporary. Yeah. So I mean, whatever, but, I mean, again, the, in comics, anything. but you know, DC, DC in general historically has dealt in the comics at least. They yeah. handle their they handle their multiverse stuff better than Marvel. Marvel is a little more, I would say, confusing. But DC, it's like they do it. It's usually done for storyline purposes and also for kind of mm -hmm. like what Ed said. You know, cleaning up. Yeah. You know, stuff that they don't need. But it's also like it's very easy to follow. Like if you read the comics, you know, even at a certain point, if you jump in or jump off, they do a good job of letting you know what the current situation is for everything, like with New 52 and all that. So it, they make it very easy. Yeah, and they, they yeah. cherry pick stuff. And, and I think, well, Marvel, I guess you could say they kind of followed somewhat with that because they did their the latest Secret War, Secret Wars mm -hmm. was there. And they were kind of like, all right, Miles Morales is popular, so we're going to keep him and throw him into yeah. 616. And we're pretty much going to wipe out just about everything else, and that's that. So, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Uh, but they're both both of them right now, cinematically, are going all in on the multiverse. Like Marvel mm -hmm. and yeah. and DC are both adopting it. So it'd be pretty wild to see, like Bird said, in the comics, DC handled it better. And obviously, we know the more in the, mo in the movies, the MCU is light years ahead of the DC yeah. right now, and they're trying to find their footing. So. You know, we'll, we'll see what happens. I mean, maybe this is where DC like closes the gap a little bit or something. I don't know. I mean, I think we all agree. The three of us just hope we want good movies from everybody. We always hope they all do well. Absolutely. And that's when everybody truly wins. I think that's Absolutely. I think that's the most important thing. Because look, I think DC doesn't need to play catch up. I mean, no. DC need DC like what they did with Suicide Squad. Get a guy that cares about the properties that wants to tell these stories. Mm -hmm. Give him free reign. Let him do what he wants. Don't worry about trying to plot with this or plot with this and connect with this. Just make a good movie. Make a good movie, fun characters, fun story. And, you know, for Suicide Squad, you know, you know what they did in the movie, that was a, a kind of a niche thing, right? So, you know, much more for adults. But like I said, you could do the same thing for like uh, like uh, Blue Beetle that's coming out on HBO Max. Uh, they have uh, mm -hmm. they casted the kid from uh, Cobra Kai. Yeah, that's great, great, great cast. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I mean, and so, and like with Batgirl with Leslie Grace, that's, that she's, mm -hmm. that's going to be on HBO Max too. So <laughs> it's like, it doesn't have to be all connected and uh, just make a good story. As yeah. long as the story is good and creator has free reign to do what they want, that's it. Because I mean, I went into, if, you know, 
my review for Suicide Squad is actually up on the site, Pop Culture Pulls, if you want to read it. Um, I kind of went into that, the fact that, you know, the 2016 version, it was just like they took the concept, I guess, of whatever David Ayer wanted to do, and they were so worried about the reaction that they were like, no, we have to change this. We have to put this a certain way. And it just totally sabotaged the movie. Like, I mean, look, what you can say whatever you want about David Ayer. I like his films. I feel like on paper, you know, because he's, you know, very much knows that world of crime and, and all that, you know, matching him with the Suicide Squad on paper is a great idea. Now, maybe the execution didn't work, but I still feel like his vision wasn't truly utilized or shown. So that's why, I feel, it, it, you know, people with the new one that just came out, it's like they're just kind of like uh, poo-pooing all over the last one. But it's like you can't that's you know, you can't really blame that. Yeah, on David Ayer, that's not his fault. You know, he he had his vision, and DC at the time were just like, you know, no, it can't be like this. It has to be this way. But I feel like it should. I feel like it shouldn't be like that. I feel like they should be able to do what they want, and whatever response the audience has, they have. As long as whatever vision that you want to put out there is out there. Same thing with Snyder. Same thing with everything else. Yeah, well, I yeah, think I, it's, it's. I'm sorry, Jason. Go. No, I was gonna say I, I agree. I think you know I. I think this, the biggest problem I have with Suicide Squad and Batman v Superman is that they are trying to set a world up in like a second and third movie. Like as much as I love the Batman stuff and the Suicide Squad, that's not there for the movie. You don't need that for the movie. That's there to set up a Batman thing. And I, I think, you know, Bert, you said it best, like they shouldn't be trying to play catch up with Marvel. They should be doing their own thing. And that's what I've been saying. That's that, that's been my issue with the DCEU in the early days is they weren't doing, they were just trying to play catch up with Marvel. And now that we're seeing more things like su the Suicide Squad and, the Harley Quinn Birds of Prey, and uh, I, I'd even put Aquaman in there. I think Aquaman is the movie that Shazam. started the trend. Like Shazam, like I think they're finding their footing of like, okay, we can do things that Marvel isn't doing, like be funny or be lewd or, you know, we can do these different things. And I think that's the way to go for them. Well, when I when I say, all right, so let me let me clarify my my statement then, because I'm pretty sure I've said it on here as well. When I say bridge the gap, I just I just mean in terms of quality films. Oh no, I, I, I don't yeah, know. Not, yeah, not, you're not good. in the yeah, concept yeah. of. I didn't like think you meant that at yeah. all. Yeah, I don't mean that because again, I think naturally fans are always going to compare uh, DC versus Marvel because whatever. I think us like people fans like us. We understand we like both. You're you're allowed to like both. Yeah. It doesn't matter. We just want to see good stories being told, good films. Like Bert was saying, filmmakers being able to say, "Hey, mm -hmm. th here's the vision I have. Let it, let it real. Let me realize it." Uh, and the perfect examples, three perfect examples, unfortunately, that's in the DCU of studio interference is you know Batman v Superman because we saw what Snyder wanted to do eventually. Um, theatrical cut. Theatrical cut. Yeah, between theatrical and ultimate, and then you know now you're right. Uh, Suicide Squad. David Ayer's Suicide Squad did not get a fair shake as much as. You know, I know, like you said, fans are poo-pooing it over now. We poo-pooed, we poo-pooed it pretty damn good on this show. I did way not. before we got to see it. No, you did not. You said you had I fun with it. Me and Tony absolutely despise it. I am a but, Suicide Squad apologist because it has Harley Quinn, and that's fair. But I think this we're, is Katana. <laughs> <laughs> well, exactly. Well, we'll get into the. I knew we were naturally going to get into the differences, but. Uh. 
like, listen, I'm just, I, I poo pooed over Suicide Squad based on what we got. And I agree. They, I would love to see an air cut of, the, of Suicide Squad and see that one day. I don't think we're ever going to because, again, they've already moved on. The new movie's already out. James Gunn has it. He can probably make 10 of these if, they, if he really felt like it. And they would have no problem. They would just keep signing the checks and tell him, you know, do whatever you want. And I hope he does. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of sucks, man. But we also kind of all had to figure David Ayer was going to get shit for his film when this came out of if everyone liked it if this was bad then i guarantee some fans would have been like oh well listen look at david Ayer's movie. maybe it wasn't so bad after all but without giving away our, our no without giving away our our full thing that's kind of what i think that would have been the natural reaction of the fan base would have been that uh but yeah and dc is doing their own thing between like joker and the suicide squad and they're going for their R-rated things, and and the MCU has said they're never going to do R-rated really except outside for Deadpool, of right? except for Deadpool. And I'm curious to see how they fit that in. And I think they can. You know, I don't think we're going to see in a Deadpool movie, um, you know, a character that we know like Thor will go there and start cursing or something like yeah, that. Yeah, no, no, no. That I don't yeah. see because again, this branding and stuff. Yeah, that would be hilarious. Yeah, but but it's not going to happen. Brett was probably thinking that right now. How funny would that be? <laughs> Chris Hemsworth completely just start dropping f bombs, and that would have been. It. You know, Helmsworth would be up for it because oh, he is a funny guy, his and time, his comedic timing is excellent. It yeah. is like, He's like honestly, funny. I I loved him in that that remake of the Ghostbusters movie. Like, I yeah. loved him in that movie. He was the, that, for me. He was the only good watchable thing in that entire. Film. He was really funny. I hated that movie, but like, he was good. He was good, and it sucks because I like the cast. And we don't have to spin off until yeah, our we're not, we're not that. that's, a whole, just, that's a whole nother controversy. That's a whole that's other thing. thing. Yeah. That's a whole other thing. But I was but, just saying, like, even in a movie as divisive as that, yeah, people will say, like, you just did it. Like, no, he's really funny in that. Like, you, there's no yeah. denying that he is a funny guy. And as yeah. Bert said, he's got great comedic timing, which is why, like, MIB International bummed me out because I thought that movie completely sucked. And when you look at the cast and everything, you're like, yeah. all right, this is obviously gonna be if you have to if you have to go with a different cast, because I still love would have loved to see Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones keep going. Of course. But whatever. They gave it a <laughs> shot and I'm like, all right, let's see what this is like. And it was just terribly written and directed and whatever. And, and MIB International sucks, but well, Ooh, wait a minute! I just realized something. Men in Black is a comic book property, which means we're gonna have to cover those movies at some point. Why did you have to say this? <laughs> Why do you say this to me when you? I don't know. <laughs> no, technically, technically, he's he's not wrong. No, he, he is, no, he is absolutely correct, and we've stretched it. We, I mean, our last two episodes have been about Masters of the Universe because they had little comic books mainly in the back of it, and they spawned into it. And then we also pushed the limits with GI Joe because we had to talk about Snake Eyes. So we, they we had, definitely pushed the limits. They had GI Joe comics. Had, I owned some as a kid. They had a very, very long run of them. Very long run of them. It's um, in our purview. It is, it is. Um, but all right, why don't we let, let's get into it? Let's talk right. about the Suicide Squad, James Gunn's brand new movie. Uh, we got a spoiler uh, label on the bottom, so if you have not seen the film, spoiler, yes, please come back and Everyone check this out. Dies. Time. No, kidding, no one dies. Everyone. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, like, they commit suicide, guys. It's in the title, Suicide Squad. That's is that what this movie's yeah, about? Disconnect again. That's it. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> No, but if you haven't, come check us out another time. But we're going to really spoil the shit out of this movie right now. So you've been warned. Yeah. Let's so. just say that we're going to Operation Starfish this bitch. Exactly. And 
Starfish is a slang word for butthole. Is there a co is that a coincidence or is there a reason that we're think, doing that? Do you think there's a connection? <laughs> there's a connection. <laughs> no. Um, all right. I mean, well, let's go. We can go around with overall thoughts like we like we usually do. Uh, I mean, I absolutely, I absolutely loved it. I had a blast with this movie. It was had me smiling ear to ear the entire time. I was laughing my ass off. I was just rewatching it on HBO Max before our show. Now still laughing at the same things. It had a lot of heart. It was action packed. It was gory. If you if you want to get into that, because it definitely did. It went there. And it went into places that really not many comic book movies have ever even dared to go to. And I I think I agree with what uh, it was a quote from Margot Robbie that said that in another director's hands, this movie probably would have been terrible. But James Gunn found a way to, you know, straddle the lines of it. And he was the perfect one. He wrote it, brought his vision to it. And as Bert had said, like, you know, the Warner Brothers, the current regime doesn't do that thing anymore. So they let him roll. And boy, did he knock it out of the park, man. Like, he really, really knocked it out of the park. And it, it very much, I want to see it a couple more times before I fully go there. But this might be my favorite DCEU film to date. It's right there with, for me, well, it's already there with Shazam and Wonder Woman. And I just don't know which of the three, because for me, Zack Snyder's Justice League is just number four out of it, but for various reasons, but I I very much enjoyed Zack Snyder's Justice League, but man, this this was something. Um, Jason, what, what, what was your reaction, overall thoughts to this? Overall, man, you, I love this. I mean, look, I, I was the original Suicide Squad apologist, <laughs> and this is good. That wasn't good, and I apologize for it. This was really good. Um, I love this. I mean, James Gunn knows he knows how to. This is this is key for a director. Not every director can do this. He knows how to operate an ensemble. He knows how to direct an ensemble. He knows how to give everyone, even people who are not going to live to the end, right? He knows how to give everyone their moment, and we see this here, right? Like you know, people. Then we'll get into it. I don't want to, you know, because I'm just giving general thoughts. But we see prominent characters bite it, like by the end of the movie. But they were given so much to do that it's like, oh, wow, you feel their death. The man knows how to direct an ensemble. Uh, this movie is funny. This movie is gory. This movie, I said to Ed when we walked out, I said, this is what a Suicide Squad movie should look like. That's it. Because it's it's kind of raw and it's, it's a bit darker than your normal stuff, which is I've read the Suicide Squad run. It is kind of like that. Uh, and it's just, again, it's just such a pleasure. And the characters and the characterization, even for small characters that don't survive the first 10 minutes, like great stuff is done with them. Like there are characters who die in the first 10 minutes where I'm like, Oh, that kind of sucks. I wanted to see more of them, you know? And that is a testament to how well the movie sets up these characters. And in a movie like suicide squad, which is an ensemble character driven movie, that's exactly what you need. And I think fucking gun hits it right out of the park. I think this is such a great movie. Really enjoyed it. Bert? Well, yeah, sum it up. I know if you want to see Bert's full review and, and read it, yeah. it is on Pop Culture Pros. I'm not trying to bury um, the lead with that, but go ahead. <laughs> but, but no, it's okay. But yeah, um, same thoughts as you guys. I mean, the, the thing about this movie is that if you take away the million-dollar IP that all these characters in this universe and all this stuff, at the heart of it, it's a James Gunn movie. Yes. Meaning this this is probably the the most personal James. He he said it like this is the best. This is the most fun he's had making a movie ever. Oh. 
he said he actually said I think in one of the interviews for um when they were doing the DC uh, con last year. But um but this this is a James Gunn film in and out like throughout like this is you know like super and all his uh, a lot of his early work you know it just happens to be in this world and the fact that he took characters like Ratcatcher two polka yeah. dot man. I would have never I would have never thought that I would see polka dot man in any live action anything but he was one of the, my favorite characters in the movie absolutely his agree. death yep, his absolutely death hurt. Yeah. Yep. Like you know, he's like, I'm a superhero, and then he. Yep. I was like, Oh my god! Like, and Bert, let me tell you something. When I had said that characters get their moments and then they're killed, that is exactly who I was thinking about was Polka Dot Man because he gets so many moments and he's so likable and then he's just gone. It's just it's it's crazy, but like he like that's what James Gunn done. He takes people that you you think I'm not going to care about this guy or this woman. And at, by the end of it, you're like, I don't want these. I'm, I want these precious people to not be touched or ta- or done anything. <laughs> like Sebastian, the, the a rat, you know, like yeah. Sebastian. Yeah. The first time you see him, you're like, oh my god, I want I want a rat. You know, King Shark. <laughs> King Shark is probably wow. Like it's it's not it's not even that. It's the little things. So like with King Shark, obviously the action that he does, like oh nom nom, you know, just eats people. That which visually seeing that was crazy. But like it's the little things, like when they're in the van and he's looking out the window, or when they go in the club and he's trying to do the fake mustache. Yeah. But then he's <laughs> to go in the club, yeah. and then it's it's I don't know I don't know what the intention was, but like when it you know it's the scene where they're dancing in the club and then they cut to the King Shark in the car and he's just like, like it's just like oh my god, your heart breaks for him, you know? Mm-hmm. It's just like stuff like that. It just make it just makes it worth everything. Yeah, and I, I see. It's funny that, that I agree, Bert. Like that was actually a really heartfelt moment. I love the fact that it was like, "Hey, this is what King Shark is doing." This obviously King Shark cannot be in there. We're not going to be one of those movies that loses track of characters. Yeah, and then it's like, "Well, where did he go? Where the hell has he been the whole time?" Well, you kind of got to see him quick. They kind of tug at the heartstring quickly, and then it's like, "All right, let's back to the fun." Because in that scene, yeah. that whole scene that you're talking about, we get Polka Dot Man and like the like 70s kind of like uh, shirt and pants, and he's like almost disco dancing and it's surrounded yeah, okay. by a bunch of uh, images of his mother. And it's like that, that, whole, so that awesome. whole thing was so was so good. At, well, at, like, at, at, like at the end, he's like, it's yeah. your mom! And then he's, <laughs> it's like, so she's like smashing the building. It's hilarious. So there's Alex, by the way. Giving yeah. the movie a 9 out of 10, who came to see it with us. He did, Alex. Yes. He did. Yeah. He he got he he joined us with it and it, it seemed like he had a great time with it too. Yeah, no, he enjoyed it. We were talking about it on the way home. He really did enjoy it. Nice, nice. Um, but yeah, and and I want to look. I want to point out that I think the the use of um, Peter Capaldi as the thinker, I thought, like perfect, like not what I expected, mm-hmm. right? But because he, he's because he's a sleazy thinker, you know, it's like... They gotta track him down because they know at night he goes to a gentleman's club every single night, yes. apparently. What, every night! What, every what's night! The, what's the line? What's the line? She's like, oh, do you want a yep. dozen... Do you want a dozen rats up your ass? And then he, he's just like, I, I uh, you wouldn't be surprised with my answer. Like, oh, it's <laughs> <right." laughs> crazy. This is where we're going. And, then you find that at the end he sexually assaulted the alien starfish. Yeah, that's I mean, that was... <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, but like what a what a great characterization of that character. Like not what I expected. And like 
villainous but and it works. fun and it works like and getting getting to hear peter capaldi a former doctor who say something to the effect of like oh stop clutching your fucking pearly whites <laughs> <laughs> He was just hammering it up, but it was good. It was perfect. I loved it. I loved it so much, his performance. Um, everything that happened, too, I, I... Well, I guess, yeah, let's get let's get into the characters of, of how they were portrayed. We can kind of do it like that. We've done that yeah. with, like, when we did Justice League and stuff. So let's talk about Bloodsport. Idris Alba's Bloodsport, who was in here, who was the leader. He ends up kind of like being the de facto leader of the Suicide Squad. That's there. Um, kind of, I don't even want to say filling the shoes of, like, uh, Will Smith's Deadshot, because I mean, I can see where comparisons of that could be made. Of guy uh, uses I mean, a lot his, of weapons. The whole the whole thing leaders. with his daughter was very much not exactly like in the previous film, but it was the same kind of concept. Same a concept, right. yeah. And it's funny because I, I thought about with, that. I was good with that. Oh no, no, like, I didn't care yeah. about that because the rumors were there. Oh, Adrian Alba is going to be replacing Will Smith, and that he was playing Deadshot. That was the initial reports when we first mm-hmm. it was the news broke, and then obviously we found out it's not the case. Which I'm glad he got to play his own character, and another one gets to, to shine. Yeah. And, and Bert, I thought about that too when I was rewatching it earlier today. So you can see the comparisons there of the relationship with his daughter. But then when he sees his daughter, what Waller does to motivate him with his daughter, which you can see the like the motivation Waller doing it the first time around. Was, but this was- time. Them dropping f bombs and saying "fuck you, fuck you, fuck you" like yeah. through the the screen back and forth when it, she goes to visit him. That's when I was like, "All right, yeah. that's where the comparisons end." Because yeah. right now, that's totally out the window now. What I really liked about this, though, it's kind of the realistic version of Deadshot's relationship with his daughter. Because in the original Suicide Squad, Deadshot's a great dad who just yeah. happens to kill people for money. And and I love Will Smith. I I I've said this a thousand times. I'm a huge fan of Will Smith. But Will Smith's a guy that doesn't – either you can't make him look bad or he doesn't let you make him look bad. He's always got to be the cool, cool guy and, and the good guy and whatever. And that's fine. That's his brand. But what I liked about Idris Elba is, like, he got down and dirty. Like, no, I'm going to oh, yeah. get into a swearing match with my 12-year-old daughter whose age I don't even know. And we're, I'm going to say, what the fuck are you doing here? I told you not to be near me. You know, like, I, I just – it seemed very real to me, and I really appreciated that. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, I was kidding. That was a great line, by the way. He's like, "Oh, you're gonna send my 14 year old daughter to jail." I was like, she's actually yeah. 16. <laughs> That's a, yeah. Was like, <laughs> was like, she might end up here, also, right? <laughs> no, so that that whole scene. So you know, you take a powerhouse actress like Viola Davis, and mm-hmm. you you bring that intensity that Idris Elba always brings. Idris Elba can be in any movie and do great. He's he's legit Phenomenal. one of the best working actors today. Like his stuff, TV, or like on Luther, like any movie franchise he's in. He always does well. But, like, you know, his blood sport, um, the way that they designed his suit, how everything was a weapon. Like, literally, he could pull out a gun at any time. He had the flamethrower. He had the hook the hook yeah, thing. Like, that everything, was cool. was, everything was just awesome. His helmet. Like, it, I mean, it was kind of nanotechy, but it, I love the way it functioned in the, in the film. Yeah. But, uh, his, you know, his, his whole arc was great. His whole kind of dick, uh, mm-hmm. dick measuring thing with Peacemaker. Was that was awesome. Hilarious. But then you know the way the way that it you know um it paid off at the end with where they had that shoot off and the bullets you know yep. collide and his bullet goes yeah. in. I'm like that was awesome. Yep, and they, they for they foreshadow that so well on multiple moments yeah. too, where like he meets him and he goes, Wait, 
this guy in the beginning, this guy has exactly my story. We do the same thing. And it's like, yeah. oh no, there's a reason he's here. There's something he's going to do that you are not. And then they have that conversation about, well, how would you shoot through my bullet? Oh, smaller bullets. Yeah. You know, so it's really cool that like James Gunn leads us there. He leaves these like sort of breadcrumbs for us to follow that, that pay off in the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and it was, yeah. And, but then with, even with what sport being a guy who's like, Oh, there's no good in me. There's no this and that you can see he obviously has a heart. And then for a lot of the yeah. film, he is kind of our, the audience, especially when we first meet the suicide squad, and he's walking through with Peacemaker together, and they meet King Shark, and they meet Ratcatcher too, and then they and they and they meet all these guys, and they're just like Polka Dot Man and everything, and he's just like, "What the fuck? Like we're all gonna die!" Like, <laughs> yeah. it's, like, it's, like, it's like Polka Dot Man. What does he do? Yeah. Shoot polka dots at people? It's like he actually just polka dots at people. Yeah, yeah that's, that's yeah. what he does. <laughs> yeah, so, but I, I, mean, I just I just love that um, that. So the people that survive at the end, so like Harley Quinn, uh, Bloodsport, spoilers, King Shark, Ratcatcher number two, and also and almost uh, Polka Dot Man, almost they were the best. They were the most heroic people of the Suicide Squad, because that's what I loved mm-hmm. about this movie too. That not everyone that's arrested that's in Bell Reeve is like mustachey, twirly, evil. Like they no, just. Not at all. Like Rat Catcher t- number two is like, oh, I came to America and I robbed the bank. Okay. Yeah. You know, because you got you have to remember too, you know, Waller's not stupid. You know, if they're gonna arrest a supervillain for a petty crime, she's gonna transfer him over to Bell Reef so she can use them. And I would argue, I would also argue if you guys maybe want to talk about this, I would argue that even though Starro, <clears throat> even though Starro was like the big thing that they destroy at the end, and mm-hmm. Starro was done perfectly, by the way. Like yeah. awesome. I think Amanda Waller is still the villain of the movie. I can see that. I, I can agree. See that. I mean, I, she, I agree she, more so about this movie than the last one with that. She's yes. technically in it less in this movie, mm-hmm. but like in the the scene where you know the staff that she's working with, you know, they keep on asking her, "Oh, are you actually going to do that stuff about with a uh, uh, Bloodsport's daughter?" And she never answers them. She just kind of gives them a look and like walks away. But at the end, you know, when when they literally turn around to go, you know, think about how cold that is. The fact that. It's like, oh, we're going to let this, you know, you guys got the records. You destroyed everything. We don't care anymore. Let the alien destroy those people. And, you know, James Gunn does a great job of showing you that, not just telling you. Like, it cuts to those shots of the kids in the crowd looking for their parents and running away. Mm-hmm. And just Amanda Water, like, no, you know, your mission's done. You know, that's it. And then they turn around, and she's almost, like, to the point of, like, you know, because when Viola Davis really gets into it, you know, the – boogers and everything start coming out and, like, super, super yeah. and you know when she gets knocked out that's an awesome moment you're like oh my god because she was gonna kill them all they had and to take her out to do it and also too okay so jason I, I mean ed i know you love uh the 2016 suicide squad but i was so glad that there was no ipads in this movie <laughs> yeah that was the bad. fact that the actual the explosive the suitcase was, like was nice suitcase that you open yep. you have to yeah. turn the you not only have to just press the button you have to turn the flip the switch on activate it and then turn it on so it wasn't just like i have it in my hand but if i drop it it might accidentally kill you guys yeah you know mm-hmm. what i mean like that kind of thing but that was done really well too well i was actually going to say though Bert, um the she does answer the guy the guy with the glasses the, the question when he says you know you're really going to do that she just she does give him a look and everything but she does yeah. say you don't know half of what i would do yeah and i think that's even more chilling because then yes, it just goes yeah. and he looks at her like oh Ooh, shit like yeah. who am I, mean, I working you wanna, you wanna for right now? You want to talk about 
you want to talk about perfect casting, like all time. Absolutely. Comedy, like Viola Davis as as Amanda Waller is mm -hmm. up there. Like yeah. it's you want perfect casting. Like I'm so glad that they brought her back. And uh, some I'd be like they just bought the best parts of the previous film to this movie. Yeah, no, I, I can definitely agree with that. I, I think that's another question. Before we get to other characters, though, I think a question that a lot of people had when they saw a Suicide Squad movie, like, oh, okay, I hated the, the other one, sucked, whatever, I don't care, get get lost with it. But I think they, it, it, I, I would say it does function as a sequel, if you want to, because it, it acknowledges the existence that Boomerang's something there. happened before. You got, it's yeah, you got Waller. Harley knows flag. Yeah, no, exactly. You got Waller. You Harley knows Flag. She knows uh, Boomerang, right? And they, those are the, like four characters that exist, and that's really all you needed. You don't need to get yeah. into details. You don't need to get into anything else. It's kind of the way Birds of Prey acknowledged this, uh, the first Suicide Squad as well. It was just like, all right, she know uh, again. Harley knowing Boomerang was one thing, and that she did something before, and that's pretty much it. You didn't really need to. It wasn't bogged down by it, but at least acknowledged that it happened. We're in the same universe. We're, we're moving forward, and and that's that. So, definitely, if you didn't like the first, uh, if you didn't like Suicide Squad, you should really see this movie because this is the way that it should have been done the first go around. Yeah, I mentioned that too. That there's literally no reason to see the previous one if you haven't seen it. No, you don't have you, to. You no. can watch. You can watch this one without even knowing any other DC movies and just enjoy it. Yep. Yeah, because they, literally, they and, literally tell you everything. And yeah. to be honest, this movie hits so many of the beats that that first Suicide Squad tried to hit and failed. Like, yeah. Yeah. it is beat for beat a very similar movie, except the execution of this one is so much better, and that's yeah. the difference. Yeah, like, like the, the, be the beauty of the opening scene. So when I mean the opening scene, the opening 15, 20 minutes, mm -hmm. when you get introduced to this team, Right, and you think, oh, they, you know, <laughs> yeah, you know, they're, oh, they're badass, whatever, you know, and introducing, um, what, what was, uh, Savant, right? Yeah, Savant. So, oh, what, a, what a fucking great introduction of a character. Yeah, I like because I'm wondering, like, I'm, I'm, what, me watching this, I'm like, where is this going? And then it's just like it, they go, they go on the island. You have the character interactions, uh, TDK, Javelin, all these people, and then they go on and they get, oh, they all, they all die. Like it's just they all get ambushed and it's just like that's Warner Brothers presents and it's just like that's the opening of the movie and you're and, just like where is this going? And the person well, who has the worst death is Boomerang and I really yeah. think that was James Gunn going oh you think you know what this movie is exactly. fuck that last movie Boomerang is dead everyone hated Jai Courtney watch him eat shit with this plane hitting him. But I love yeah. that he was he was happy he was happy dying he was like yep yeah if he noticed it a little bit he was just like. Wah. That's and it. I had a conversation with Bear about this. Other day. He texted me, and he was like, you know, um, I'm kind of bummed out that Boomerang got offed in the movie because, like, we'll never see him face off with the Flash. Right. And, and I agree like, with that. I, I can agree with that, but you want to know something, though? But, Jason, you said it perfectly. For me, that was James Gunn saying, hey, all bets are off. You have no idea what's going to happen. You need yeah. to be on the edge of your seat because any of these characters can go at any moment. Yep, because 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 it was the editing too. So you know the fact that a scene would happen, and then you know it would get to a climax, and it would say, "Oh, three minutes late, three minutes earlier, or eight mm -hmm. minutes earlier." I love that whole with the title sequence yep. in, in the scenes. You know yeah. that, that that whole part was brilliant. Um, I also really love well the scene in the beginning where they throw Weasel out. 
and Weasel drowns, and yeah. they're like, "Wait, did no one did no one check to see if Weasel could could swim?" And Amanda Wall is like, "Oh, she's so angry that no one checked on this." It's, 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 the, it's the side I look. She's just like, "Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so good, so good." And and another another thing too that's kind of related with that is when we find out that Bloodsport has an issue with rats, but oh. it's not because someone overlooked it because she does ask. And then he's in this is kind of like, well, I didn't let you know because train killer. Yep. Not going to go ahead and divulge my, my weakness here. Yep. Yeah. And I, for me personally, since I don't like rats either, I was, I was with Bloodsport the whole time where, you know, seeing the rats on screen and it was a lot of them. I was like, oh, oh God. I mean, that, that's, that's what I liked about all, another thing I like too was the bureaucracy. So, like, you know, the in the previous film, she, Amanda Waller literally kills all the team that she's working with. But in this movie, it's like, you know, from the first time you see him, they're all placing bets on who's going to die. Yeah. Like, that whole thing was hilarious. I did like that, um, too. And then, you know, she comes in. It's like, what are you doing? And it's like, oh, we're just having a meeting, a meeting, meeting of the day, you know. Yeah. But like, they're, you know, they kind of, you know, at the end, you know, they kind of basically help the team save yeah. the day because without mm -hmm. them, you know, they would have all been killed. And that's something I would. Well, whatever. We can talk about it now. It's, it's fine. Before we jump into other characters, then. Um, so with the with her people doing that, right? And with we know at the end of the movie, you know, there's a deal made between Bloodsport and they get the whole uh, information and they kind of, mm -hmm. pretty much they blackmail Waller. Waller has no choice to let them go. A smart way to go uh, circumvent the problem everyone had with Birds of Prey of why isn't anyone looking for Harley Quinn when they make the exactly. next Birds of Prey movie? Yeah. yeah. So. There's that, but we have to believe. Number one, this is definitely getting a sequel. Uh, we, we we know this is happening, right? Besides this spinoff, we know uh, Peacemaker's getting his spinoff, and certain things could be acknowledged. You gotta underbelieve that Amanda Waller is gonna have it in for them. The next yeah. movie literally could be Amanda Waller even having another team go after the, this group because she's not gonna let this shit slide. She's not gonna let any of this shit slide. <laughs> And that's a movie I want to see, a, like a, a a new Suicide Squad up against the old Suicide Squad. That's yeah, a movie awesome. I want to see. Yeah, that would that would be awesome. Yeah, she's she's not. You, from what we know of her, there's no way in hell there she's gonna let them walk free yeah. and be okay. That it's mean, over. She wasn't, even, it. she, she wasn't even really that mad. She was just more like you know Dubois. You know, it was like oh, it's encrypted. I put yeah. it. It's on the server. I'll put it on the web if you let us go. Da, 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 da. She's like, I told you I make a leader out of you, Dubois. Yeah. And it's just like, yeah. She's not even she's not even worried about that. She's just happy that she was able to put him in this position. Yeah, but I still gotta believe she's gonna come back at some point and oh yeah. Want to get even with I called the wall for a reason. Yeah. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I think another character let's let's talk about is is Harley Quinn. Let's let's get into this right. version of Harley Quinn. So I, this is the third iteration we've seen. Of Margot Robbie as Harley Quinn, so same actress, but three totally different ways she was written. I want to pose something here. I think I have figured out. I have realized that Harley Quinn is the most powerful member of the Suicide Squad, <laughs> and here's why: she is the only one in the entire DCEU who realizes she is a very popular comic book character and literally can do whatever the fuck she wants because like there are things in this movie like where she just goes you know what i want to get out of here so 
I'm going to take this pain and get out of here. Then I'm going to kick ass and I'm going to steal a key and then I'm going to walk out. And uh, you know what? Uh, someone gave me this javelin. I think it's going to be important at the end of my story. I'm just going to walk around with it and I'm going to learn how to run on walls. And when I kill people, it's going to shoot cartoons. Like that, like <laughs> I, I remember having a conversation when we did Birds of Prey where the question was, how does she know how to do all this stuff? And that's the answer. She knows she's a comic book character. She knows she's incredibly popular. And she goes, well, I need to do this. Kill me off, writers, or let me do it, and they let her do it, and that is why she is the most powerful. That's my that's my pitch for Harley Quinn. <laughs> um, I, I personally, I mean, Bert, I, I'm curious to see what, how you feel about this, but I I think this is the best Margot Robbie Harley Quinn performance we, we've gotten. I I think if you could pick one word to describe her character in this movie, is growth. So you know, and yeah. you know, in in the three performances, her introduction, she's still very attached to the Joker. Birds of Prey, she reaches her breaking point and has to basically rediscover her identity, of how she's going to be on her own. Mm -hmm. And in this movie, she fully accepts and knows what she is. She doesn't um, rely on anyone. She's not as maniacal or crazy, or maybe not. Well, she's still crazy, but uh, not as maniacal or evil as she used to be. She's a lot more welcoming to new relationships and new and new people. I mean, it's that scene where she shoots where she shoots the the prince or whatever. You know, she talks about like, oh, like, you know, I, you know, I, I'm never gonna let myself allow this. You know, I told myself every time I see a red flag, I have to, I have to, I have to kill it. You know, and it's like, you know, it's gonna start like this, and then it's gonna go like this because basically she's talking about her past relationships with evil yeah. men. And how that you know it turns it turns controlling and then it basically it destroys you and it's like very very beautifully written that James Gunn did that and you know she's a character that can fit in any type of story really for DC like she mm -hmm. could pop up anywhere like mm -hmm. it it doesn't matter and that's how it is in the books too but I mean her portrayal like Margot Robbie really has a very good grasp on the character even though she's not the only one you know you have uh, Kaylee Cuoco who voices her very well on the show yeah. that show but is fantastic it is but uh, but for live action purposes like I feel like Margot like she has a firm grasp on that character she really does care because she pro she produces a lot of stuff that she's in so mm -hmm. it's not like you know people are like writing whatever she has a little bit of final say onto what she wants to do and I feel like she has a uh, limitless future for for the dcu yeah i i think um yeah i i that's a really good way to put it though uh Bert. that's it's it's character growth and you can see her arc from film to film and now it's kind of like this is now now she's like really really hardly playing yeah like this in this go around and again i we all enjoy her performances in the other two films but i think this is like for me at least it was the this is the best one this is the yeah. epitome of of her whole Thing of, and, and even though it might have been done for storyline purposes, I like the fact that she didn't really spend time with the group a lot. That no. she was kind of left on her own because I think that I think that I mean James Gunn's not stupid. I think James Gunn's understands that if I put Harley in the mix with these people, she's gonna hurt. Yeah. She's so charismatic she's and so magnetic. Stealer. It's gonna it's gonna take away from everyone else. So I feel like he's okay. Let, let's do a way where. You know she kind of can be away for some time but you can still invest in her and be focused on her and then you know she joins the group at the end right but so at, at the point where it's not distracting because i feel like that was the problem in the first one it was kind of like you know harley was like chewing up the scenery and like 
basically taking over everyone. But in this movie, you know, they did it to a point where it's like, you know, you know she's alive, you know she's out there, but it's not like you're she's gonna steal all the scenes that she's in with everyone else. No. And how about Harley her moment when she doesn't remember um oh, damn it, I'm uh, Milton. Milton's <laughs> who is Milton? She thinks one sports Milton at one point. He walked in the building with them. I remember Milton. I was like, oh, it's the guy. And then when he died, I was like, oh, they killed the guy. Damn that it. That was so but I love how I love how uh Polka Dot Man was so affected. Like, what he he really he saved our lives. Like he really he did help us the whole time. Did. <laughs> he got him he 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 got him into he he's got him into the club. He bought yeah. them food. Like right before they were interrogating uh Tinker, he's like, Oh, I got you empanadas. Like, bro, like he That's got right, him yeah. food. He, right. he he helped him get in the building into Jodenheim. It was just like awesome. He's the R2 D2 of the suicide Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Unofficially. Yeah. Um, all right, so let's talk about Polka Dot Man. Since that seems to be a character that we all like, one of the main ones we'll cover. We're not going to get into literally every single member of the Suicide Squad because some don't last long or whatever, like Pete Davidson. If you hate Pete Davidson, you'll love this movie. You absolutely will. Man, True. wow. Um, so I mean, let's I talk don't about hate Pete Davidson. No, I, yeah, I, I, I like him too. He's actually pretty damn funny. Um, so Polka Dot Man, like, um, I'm sorry, I'm going to butcher his last name. Das Malchen. Das Malchen. There you go. Master of all comic book multiverse. He's been in, like, every form of DC everything, live action, and, he, and is an Ant-Man as well. This is the, but this is the role where he really gets to shine by far the yeah. most as fucking Polka Dot Man. Uh, and Bird said earlier, like, a character that none of us would have thought. I would. I would have wrote up saying, "Yeah, he's one of the guys who's going to go really early," but he ends up having an entire arc, pretty deep. You know, a pretty deep storyline there, a pretty crazy storyline, but gets a lot of comedic moments there that all hit. Very heartfelt moments that hit, and he's pretty badass, actually. Yeah. I mean, I, I was worried about how his powers were going to work because, I mean. Polka dots, you know, it's kind of hard yes. to explain it. Right. But, 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 but the way that you know, oh, it's an interdimensional disease, mm -hmm. and like I have to like relieve myself twice a day, and like you actually see it, like when he gets all bumpy and stuff, yes. I was like, oh, that that's cool. Yeah. Um, and I love peacemakers, like that's a rash, like like what is yeah. that? And then he and I love how they like they literally stopped on the way, and he like explains his whole thing. But like his whole arc was just it. He was a like awesome character, like. It was done so well, and does not then that's Malchin, you know, that's that's his thing. Like, you know, in every movie that he's in, you know, he does a good job of even if it's for a few minutes, you you, re you remember him. Like he's a very recognized. Like the dark knight. Like yeah, yeah dark like, that's the scene that put him on. Like, I mean, yep. you, know, yeah. you know, but in this movie, like he get James was able to realize that and say, I'm gonna give you a character that is gonna like give you everything that you always wanted, basically like full-on development like he starts out as like you know super depressed and you know not being wanted to do anything and then at the end he gets so uh elated that he's actually using his powers for good and helping mm -hmm. people and saving the world but then he gets killed but you're just like oh man well look at it like one of his first lines in the movie i don't know if it's first but it's one of the first is when uh idris elba goes we're all gonna die and he goes i hope so yeah and his la literal last line in the movie is 
I'm a superhero. Like yeah. he has such a great arc, and then done. And him getting to yell I'm a superhero is is pretty heavy on a lot of levels because I mean it looks bright and it looks funny, but he also is achieving what the whole point of why the experiments were done on him yes. was to make him a superhero. So it's almost like he like fulfilled his dream, like his purpose right there was to be that, and then unfortunately bites it right after that. Yeah. So I mean, I I would argue that he and I would say probably Cleo more are the hearts of the movie. Mm. I think Ratcatcher too definitely. Yeah. I mean, if 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 she doesn't make the choice she does at the end, I don't think they stop Starro. Well, let's get into that. Well, that could be yeah. next. Let's let's talk about Ratcatcher two then as the next character. I definitely agree that Ratcatcher two is one of the hearts, and I think like there there are so many ways. And again, like we talked about how this movie, I said actually how this movie is hitting beats correctly that the last movie didn't. Like so, you know. Ratcatcher 2 pays off the whole Idris Elba daughter thing because he starts to look at her as a daughter and she has this absent father who this dead father and she starts to look at him and the fact that he's afraid of rats he's he's you know which is like this metaphor because she's Ratcatcher and then he's afraid of putting himself out there and he's afraid of you know showing weakness right like mm -hmm. I don't yeah. give you my weakness and at the end of the movie it's this beautiful scene where Ratcatcher 2 calls all the rats and he gets down on like this and he is paralyzed with fear and they're running over him and she has her hand on his back. And it, right. it, like it's this they set up this beautiful father daughter dynamic with them. And I think, yeah, like she really does. I think she is like, as you said, she's one of the hearts of this movie and it, it plays so beautifully between the two. I mean, because yeah. that, that, I mean, that part that you're talking about, I mean, they, that shot in the trailer, you know, for months, I was like, wow, like, I, I can't wait to see how that turns out. Because that's, that's a super most remote with the score in the background and, you know, her having that flashback with her dad played uh, wonderfully by Taika. Yes, know, that's who right. Has that, who has that line where he's like, oh, if, you know, rats have purposes, then we all, and they're like the lowest of the lowest that we have, then we all have purpose too, you know? And it's just like, and then she starts, you know, crying when she's, you know, taking down Starro. I mean, that was just like, wow. Yeah. Like, you know, you took this character and basically made her like, and like a lot, of, a lot of people, like I see on TikTok and on social media, they're loving her. Like, her, yeah, she's fantastic. Her yeah, she yeah. is. And another character that nobody in there, nobody could have ever dreamed of that we would have seen on right. a big screen. Number one, and then actually cared about them. Like, oh yeah, they're one of the highlights of the film. Right. And and I want to point out that even the movie makes a point of saying it's Rat Catcher Two. Like yeah, this, this says so you couldn't afford the free, the right catcher one. He's dead. But like the the fact like this is not just a D list villain. This is like a, a Z list villain. This is yeah. this is the daughter of a D list villain. You know. Yeah. But to do such like great character work with her, really, it shows what a great job Gunn does again with ensemble casts. And then um, with um oh sorry I was gonna say no with, no go ahead go ahead with uh with Rick Flag. What a fuck! What a one eighty. Yep. In, in yep. two movies, Rick. Like I said earlier, I mean Rick Flag in the first Suicide Squad movie is, at least for me, was just like eh, unlikable. Yeah, he's there. You know, the he was exposition was master. He was yeah, literally like, like you said the, the line you said Katana. earlier. This is yeah, Katana. Yeah, Let me give you my whole backstory. But in this movie, whole backstory. That's it. But in this movie, it's just like you know he has a you know yellow shirt like his mm -hmm. like his comic look. He has mm -hmm. a new haircut. 
He's not as jaded as he used to be. He's much more, you know, friendly. Like him and Harley, like when he when he gets killed, which hurt a lot, by the way. Like, me too. Really, yeah. Same that, here. That really that really worked me a lot. But um, when when uh when they rescue Harley or when Harley gets out when they're attempting to rescue her, you know, they hug because it's like you have to remember too. Like you know, they've probably been on a bunch of missions together and they've known each other for a while. Right. So it's like Har- Harley really sees him as like a true friend. Yeah. And you know, his whole thing, like you know. He's actually more, you see why he's a badass. Like, you know, he's, you know, you know, shoots a lot of people and, you know, doesn't miss, you know, and uh, very much more likable. And what I like about too, not everyone has to have a quip. You know, he's, he's, he like, he has that scene where he's talking to the leader of the, of the, of the, of the rebels, where he's like, oh, look, you know, they're f- fucking idiots, but, you know, they, <laughs> yeah. you know, they they're, you know, they're, they, they mean well, you know, and it's just yeah. like, it's, it's great. And he has a, had that whole history with um, Bloodsport. With, uh, with Bloodsport. Yeah. And it was just awesome. And the fact that he was so pissed at, you know, finding out that, you know, the United States, you know, commissioned uh, Corto Maltese to do these experiments and to not let anyone know and that he was going to, mm-hmm. he was like, oh, you know, fighting the army for all this time. And blah, blah, blah. like, you know, he wanted to really expose that secret out there. And like I said, his death, you know, it was just, it hurt, you know, because you're like, damn, like he really tried to, he really tried to, to amend things. Yeah. yeah, no, I agree. Like, he's not a character I liked at all in the first one, but when he died in this one, yeah, I felt it. And I think that they're like, it's, it's funny that the, the characterization and the actor just playing it was so different that my nephew, when we were going home, he was like, was that a different actor playing Flag? Because he looked so different. He acted so different. It was such a different character. And, and I could see his confusion there because the character is so different. Um, and I love the fact that Idris Elba's Bloodsport like he doesn't hate him. They were friends, yeah. and they are still friends, even though Flag works for Walla and it, Bloodsport does his own thing. Like, you know, there there wasn't this weird rivalry or they hate each other. It's like, no, we we used to serve. We're friends now. That's cool. And I, I love that because it yeah. wasn't forced. Um, and I, I do want to say that I think it was the the second most evil thing Walla does in the movie is to send Flag with the actual Suicide Squad who was sent in to be cannon fodder. Like, I get why she sends everyone else in there because that's the point. They are cannon fodder. They're just prisoners no one cares about. But Flag is her own guy, and she sent them all in knowing they were going to die. And I thought that was just something interesting that I I wanted to bring up because she knew what was going to happen. I, I noticed that too, yeah. I thought about that earlier too, and I was just—I I did wonder, and I wanted to ask you guys. So we're gonna—I mean, I was—I think we're all in agreement then that Waller just didn't give a fuck and was sending mm-hmm. the flag in there, even though that was the scratch the scratching squad. And with Harley, I think she brought it pretty much through them, and they was like, "Screw it! If they make it out, they make it out, and that's great." I mean, they are badasses at what they're doing, but if they don't, then uh, well, tough shit. But you're right; her sending the flag is really, really fucked up. Right, because that's that's one of her people. He's one of the good guys. Like I get why she sent Harley. Harley, Harley bailed on the like. Harley was integral in the first one, but Harley also broke yeah. out of Arkham in the first one. Like, you can make a case why she'd want Harley dead or Boomerang dead or any of these people, or just doesn't care. But like to send Flag in there because she doesn't send like she doesn't send one of her own people with Bloodsport. Mm-hmm. Right, it's just the Suicide Squad there, so it's not like she needs a flag there to be in charge. 
So what's the purpose of sending him if you know that they're going to die? I think it also shows her trust in Bloodsport as well. Yes. She does trust him. And she like Burden mentioned, that she really believes and wants to make him a leader. She believes he can do this by having him literally lead his own team. The main team shows like she really was, was fully invested. I, um, I, I also think, too, though, that it, I mean, we could talk about him, but I think it. Uh, with Peacemaker, That's I think exactly that, where I was going next. I think mm-hmm. she, uh, I think Waller sees Peacemaker as a more trustworthy, corrupt version of what she wanted Rick Flag to be. Mm-hmm. Basically, yeah. like no questions asked. I'm going to do what needs to be done. That's it. But even in that, like you know, you know, of course, you know, big wrestling fan. Uh, mm-hmm. Very impressed with what John's been doing with a lot of a lot of the roles that he's been taking. I feel like this is probably the most creative and most fun role that he's had because he's really playing someone that he has because a lot of his older uh, uh, previous roles are like kind of jock versions of himself or he kind of ma- or he's kind of like a character a, a caricature of himself because he's yeah so the big. only other movie i loved i well I, let's i'm just thinking about a second because i know you watched the fast movie so i didn't see the new one he was good at blockers uh, like he was, funny I was about to that, say was like i was about version. to say the movies i have seen him in are blockers and i've seen him in train yeah. Smaller role, train wreck, very small role, but for, mm-hmm. for me in train wreck, and I do like I enjoy the film, but him and LeBron were the standouts for me in yeah. that in that film because they they, they were just absolutely hilarious. I yeah. personally think this is the best I've seen Cena act personally, and I, mean, I he, you, he you was, probably see more of his films. He was fine. He was fine in Fast Nine. It's just his the, he didn't really have the best material to work with, but I feel okay. like in this movie he really had a, a lot a lot to work with. Because okay. even in that scene where he's fighting Rick Flagg and, you know, uh, kills him, you know, before he he's not like out to kill him. He's like, look, this isn't personal, man. I'm just doing this. You know, this, yeah. this is the mission. Like you can see it in his face because John Cena does a good job of emoting what he's feeling. Like mm-hmm. he's done that, you know, when he when WWE for years. Um, and also like, you know, when he kills him, like he's like he's, you know, kind of sad about it because he's just like, man, like I had to do this. Like I told him I didn't want to do this and I had to do it. But he's so, you know, we're going to find out, you know, on his show. But he's so, you know, like he says, I'm thorough. Like he's thorough and direct with his objective mm-hmm. that he's not going to let anything get in the way. Yeah, and I'm very curious to see him lead his own show. And and now that I get to see him in what I feel is his best acting performance, you know, in films. like And, 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 and shout out to Cena uh, during the press tour actually wearing the full costume. Yes. Being, I saw him yeah, on first like, take awesome. last week in, in full costumes. Yeah, that's. I mean, he's he's always great at doing you know with press and stuff like that. He's always passionate. He loves answering questions, you know, because for him, you know, this is, you know, stepping into the acting world. You know, it's it's you know it happens a lot in the wrestling world, mm-hmm. um, but he's actually one of the guys that can potentially be, you know, a, a pretty good actor if he really you know ex- does a lot more of these kind of niche kind of roles. Yeah, you're right. No, but and it, it's true. It's really in the writing. Like Gunn did a great job writing a film, and he had a lot of material to work with, like you had said. And then I, I don't want to go on. But listen, a lot of people enjoy the Fast movies. I watched the first mm-hmm. one and kind of was out of it. It's just not my jam, even though I enjoy a lot of wacky yeah. shit and can put it into perspective with what I like. It's just not my thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I would like to see him. I'm dying to see what what they do now. And I know Gunn wrote the show as well. The eight episodes. It's an eight episode show. That's coming in January on HBO Max is of uh, his Peacemaker. He wrote it. And he directed at least three of the episodes. So 
I think that's important too because like Gunn guiding him along and giving him the support to carry his own show, I think is huge. And now after seeing the film, I'm like really even more excited about seeing Peacemaker do his own thing. Yeah. Um, I guess the other the other character I think we, we can jump into here, uh, and I guess the last one we, we can get into, and I guess maybe we can touch brief points on the others. Uh, let's talk about King Shark. Love, 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 love yeah. King Shark. He's great. I mean, we, 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 I was just, you know, we're all used to seeing The Flash. So, you know, he was obviously introduced on that show. Mm-hmm. And he's been in a few of the animated films. Mm-hmm. And, but a lot of the time, like on The Flash and those, he's, he looks very menacing because obviously he's a shark. Yes. But, in, but in this movie, he's just like his eyes, you know, like a shark, you know, they're, you know, full black. But he has like this kind of like, I don't want to say dumb, but like stupid, like this look on his face. And he, <laughs> right. And he's, you know, he's like, oh, uh, he's like, I read book. Yeah, it's and upside down like, and shit. And yeah, then he's like, yeah, and like, and like how do you, how do you not love this guy? But like, he's, he's so cute and lovable, but like, he'll fucking eat you. Yeah, like, and he does. In, like, one he does in a couple of seconds. He yeah. bites people right in half. He's but, murderously you know, adorable. Yes. Yes. Yes, because I those was going to say are the most ador- those, are, those are the most adorable creatures, murderous ones. You're that's just, true. Yes, that's I true. love your murdering, but you're cute. <laughs> I, I think I love for it. me, I naturally was trying to draw comparisons there when I said that and watched it for the first time. Being that Gunn did the film too, it was like, all right, so maybe King Shark is going to be his version of kind of like Groot in a way, where I can see a little bit, but then again, King Shark is ripping people in half and literally trying to eat people, tries to eat Ratcatcher too. Uh, yeah. I love the fact when he's speaking Spanish and even Peacemaker's walking by carrying hey. something. Oh, look at that. He's speaking Spanish. Yeah. He's like, see. <laughs> Sylvester Stallone, perfect choice for, great. for voicing him. It's, bas- Nails it's, it. basically, Nails it it's basically Rocky, but like hammed up. Yeah, <laughs> super hammed up. Like, yeah. super like hammed Rocky up. Five. Like Rocky Five yeah. Rocky. Because we all know that that Rocky in Rocky Five completely not, is out of control and it's not real rocky no it's not it's like a character of it is uh, of it like somebody was on snl doing, uh, uh, <laughs> and, an and like i mentioned earlier it's you know it's the little moments so like you know when they're all put into c4 on yes. and then he gives yeah. peacemaker the thing and he's like no he's like no not way and it's like peacemaker and then he puts <laughs> yeah. it on and then the, and then when peacemaker turns around to go with a flag in them you know, mm-hmm. obviously, after seeing it again, you know, oh, he's going to confront Fly because he wants to get the records. Yeah. But then, he, you know, King Shark turns around and it's just like, oh, it's like everyone left. And it's like, oh, man, they left him again. But it's just like stuff like that. Like, it, it's cute, you know. There's also a and, heartbreaking moment when he's looking out of the, when they're in that uh, truck, the when they're in that van. Yeah. And he's looking out and he's looking at people hugging and stuff like that. And it, was that, I'm sorry, Jason, was that what you were going to bring up? No, no, I was going to bring up something else. Go for it. Uh, no, no, that was it. I just thought it was a very like certain, like a heavy moment there, where he's just kind of like learning and seeing people interacting and yeah. and things like yeah. that. I wanted to bring up that even again because James Gunn is really good about not letting threads drop. Even that like joke of this is the peacemaker like C four comes back because you actually do see that stuck yeah. to the wall and explode. Yeah. Um, which I thought was awesome. I mean, I thought King Shark was really funny. Great comic relief. Um, I was I was sad that, you know, that it was not um, the Croc, Killer Croc, because I'm a big Batman fan and I do like the Croc. And I it sucks that he's the Killer Croc will likely never get a real good 
movie, um, but but I think King Shark was uh, like such a great choice and fantastic. Um, and just to touch a bit on Peacemaker, because my internet went down, I, I lost it for a second. I didn't. Um, I did not see that turn from Peacemaker coming, and I'm usually good at. I didn't at, see it either. Yeah, I'm usually good at seeing like stuff like that, but like I did not see him turning on them f- for that reason. Like I figured anyone could turn on anyone, but like oh. the fact that like he was Amanda Waller's like secret guy in there, like to make sure that that particular thing got destroyed. Didn't see it coming, and I thought it was a great moment. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, I kind of figured once they said what was on the disc and everything like that, and that was involved, of knowing course. what we know of Peacemaker, yeah, then I could see that. But I agree. Throughout the movie, I didn't, I didn't see any kind of a turn coming whatsoever. No, no, no. It's it's only once you get there at the end. And also, I thought it was interesting that, and we, you know, we talked about this after we saw the movie. And I don't know if you guys talked about it before, but uh, he has no compunction putting a bullet in Ratcatcher 2's head. He doesn't want to kill Flag. Yeah. He tries to talk Flag down because he kind mm-hmm. of admires him. And it shows you like how heroic Flag is. But he has no problem. Like he's willing to kill Bloodsport. He's willing to get rat kill Ratcatcher too. It's only Flag that he kind of wants to convince, like, no, 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 we're right. Just do this with me. Mm-hmm. So I think it's interesting. Yeah. Um, I also so if we want to just, you know, before we wrap it up, just touch on some of the other one, the other characters that went. Yeah. Like uh uh Blackguard, which was Pete Davidson's character, who gets a very a very funny moment earlier on. Like he gets a couple of moments where he thinks that um, that weasel is you know a dog oh, and stuff like a that. Werewolf. that oh, a werewolf. <laughs> I mean, they, yeah, they're talking about a dog. Then there's oh yeah, Javelin thinks he's a dog, and that's then there's it. a whole conversation. And with that, I think that's pretty funny. He obviously brutally gets his head blown off because he sells out. You know, Suicide Squad or that's, or. That's or he, like he does, but does he? Because yeah. that was the plan. Exactly. <laughs> um, I think that was cool. I mean, like Javelin was. I mean, was we could talk. Funny. We could talk about. Um, I think maybe our favorite deaths. I think my favorite death in the movie was uh, TDK. Oh, when they were shooting his arms and stuff like that. Oh, well, they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's just rolling on the floor. Separated. That was hilarious. So good. That was good. That was good. Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, Blackguard getting his head blown off was was pretty great because I mean it was extremely graphic. Savant gets his blown head blown I think, off. I think Savant is my favorite because the bird then lands on his head and yes. in his brain. <laughs> I was like, the son of a bitch got you. Because I know, because I knew. I mean, I actually knew Savant, the character of Savant, as a Batman villain before he was introduced mm-hmm. in the films. I'm like, oh, that's oh, I didn't even I, know that shit. Yeah, I mean, he's like a minor Batman villain, but still. Um, but it was interesting that I was like, wow, they're going to bring in Savant. I wonder what they're going to do with him. And, you know, in that opening scene, like, you know, when he sees everyone dying and he's just like, he just runs away screaming. I'm just like, oh, because because it makes you like that opening scene where he's bouncing the ball and like catching yep. it. You think, oh, he's, he's he's fucking badass. He's going to, you know, whatever. But he gets his head blown up. You're just like, man, like, this is crazy. He's the one that Waller takes out because yeah. you have to, she has to yep. take somebody out. Just to show you that this is like a thing. We can't we can't kill Slipknot again. No, <laughs> right. He's gonna kill him once. <laughs> yeah. If he was if it was possible, they just would kill him again and just keep on doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, Javelin's thing I think is pretty funny because you know that whole little thing he has and oh, gives Harley gives Harley the whole thing. Take the javelin. And again, yes. that sets her up for her whole arc. 
everything she does in the movie is because he gave her that javelin and she's yeah. walking around knowing she's she in a movie no going why there's no reason why right just like a guy gave me this javelin i gotta figure out what to do with it i mean all right <laughs> and for the time boomerangs in the film he gets he gets his quips off and gets to have some fun with them in the plane and then all of a sudden upgrade, he upgraded his boom his boomerangs which is cool like which yes he slices a dude's head off yes which I wanted to see that boomerang. Why don't yeah. I get to see that boomerang? And right he, there, I mean, Jason he, he is why he went up strong. He had yep. his arm up. He was like, "Yeah, yep, <laughs> was, I'm good." Yeah. But um, I just, I just want to say, like I mentioned earlier, um, in terms of like big bads and villains, the fact that you know, I probably knew someday they would be able to do Starro right, but I never thought they would be able to do it like this. I mean, Starro was done so cool. well, and it wasn't That's just good. like a, it wasn't just like a monster or like an alien. Like, you know, when he died at the end, he's like, oh, I just, I wish I can be floating in the stars. I was happy floating the in the stars looking yeah. out. Like, that was great. Yeah. You feel, you feel bad. You're like, oh, man, he's just been experimenting on and assaulted and shit. Because like, it's his, the thing like, is. He, yeah, go ahead. He's, yeah, like, he's not evil. Like, he yeah. was just a being that was taken on board a spaceship, brought to Earth, and then experimented on for 30 years and sexually assaulted by weird thinker David Capaldi. Like, he's, yeah. like. He's the villain, but he's an under or she, whatever it is, is an understandable villain. It, it. Yeah. it is the villain. It is the villain. But like, um, it was the little details too. Like when he, like uh, when he's walking, and then like he gets knocked over, but he just turns and walks on his other leg because it's just. I'm like, oh yeah, it's a starfish. Like it's, yep. it's not gonna fall. <laughs> and like when Harley, and when Harley um went in the eye, as a person who wears contacts, I was just like, Ugh. I was like whoa. <laughs> And As a like, person who doesn't wear contacts because he can't put his finger in his eye, right? Like, it was just like, oh man! <laughs> as soon as she got on the building, I was like, oh, they're gonna stab the hell out of her! Yeah. Oh my god! But it was awesome. But, like you see the rats go in there, and she's in the water. That was crazy. Whatever. Yeah, I knew as soon as I saw Starro, I knew the javelin was going in its eye. I knew it. Like I, I had to. I did not realize she was going to be fully submerged into its eye and its body of water, and a million rats were going to follow her in and eat the thing from the inside. I did not see that coming at all. Like that, that visual, <laughs> that visual of like his eye full of blood and like yes, I was just like, oh my god, it's crazy. <laughs> And, but like, but let's let's think about that. I mean, this is a just this is a Justice League villain. Like this, yeah. This yes. is a Superman threat, if there, mm -hmm. if if any. And the yep. fact that Ratcatcher number two, Bloodsport, Harley Quinn, and King Shark destroyed Starro from destroying Corridor Maltese is incredible. And then the rest of the world, yes. Right? You know, yeah. it's just like wow. And I think it really shows something important because when the first Justice League happened. They're not Justice League, I'm sorry, Suicide Squad. Everyone went, well, you know, why didn't Superman just go? Where was Superman when the Enchantress was doing this? Yeah, No one said that about Staros, and it's the same threat level. And the reason no one said it, because no one cares, because it was fun. They enjoyed watching it. I think that's, yeah. you know, that's the key here. That's a, that's a very fair point, because that was one of my biggest criticisms of, of, of Suicide Squad. Right, but, but it wasn't a criticism of this one. And again, nope. Staros is a pretty... Never crossed my mind. Right? But Star is a pretty big deal. Yeah, absolutely. And then, like Bert said, too, in the comics, I mean, the Justice League does face Star. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, and Superman. So, I mean... And, 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 and in, an, yeah. in animated shows, I mean, he's he's a big, like, group villain. Like, they bring everyone together to take on Star. Like, in, 
like I think it was on um, Brave and the Bold, like mm-hmm. Batman put together the secret the the Justice League to to take out Sorrow because it's like a whole like invasion thing. Because I love how too how he would talk through the people that he took over. That yeah. was awesome. Now and like or when he got hit in the leg by uh by Polka Dot Man, everyone like grabbed their leg like, mm-hmm. like it was like it was just perfect. It's the little details like that that really that really made it work. And I posted something in the group last night. I don't know if you guys know this, but Starro was a, a, a Starro, not the Starro, was made a Robin by Batman. Briefly. Yes, I did. I did read that from your from your article that you shared from Spirit. Yeah, which I think is insane. That's just insane. <laughs> all right, um, all right. So I think that pretty much wraps it up for us tonight with our discussion of the Suicide Squad. Uh, Bert, thank you so much for. Yeah. Joining us and guests also. It's great to have you. Yeah, you know you're welcome to join us. You know, just reach out whenever whenever we are covering something you want to touch on. But. And Bert, I, I think you should really consider coming on when we do some of the shittier movies. I just let Ed know that no, there is I a mean, 2005 watched, Man Thing movie we have to cover. I, I yes. watch. I love. I love those episodes you guys have because you know those old. It's it's so fun to see. <clears> like you know, speaking of sorrow, so like they couldn't do sorrow 20 years ago. No, like with the nope. CGI, the way it worked in this movie. So you know, seeing the limits of technology and movie magic twenty years ago with all these older, especially comic book movies that like, like the nineteen nineties Captain America movie, like the fact mm-hmm. that they couldn't even make him throwing the shield look halfway decent. You know, and now no. that's a, that's such an easy effect that they can do now that it's it just changes everything. But like, I I I love those episodes because those older movies are like they're so they're so good. They're so bad. They're good. Yeah. If if you got one you want to do, we're always open. So let yeah. us know. <laughs> yeah. Just reach out. And we'll, we'll keep you posted on what it is that we're going to do. Because I'm sure we'll dive back into those. But I mean, we thankfully also have new movies to keep yeah. covering. In a few weeks, we'll have Shang Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. We're excited about. Uh huh. So we got. And then we got a bunch of uh, uh, a lot of shows coming back. Titan season three, which I'm excited for. Excited. Doom, so excited. Doom Patrol season three. Yep. Doom Patrol. Doom Patrol so is what Legends can can be if Legends wasn't on uh, wasn't on CW. Absolutely, because yep. Legends Patrol, was on HBO. Because Doom Patrol is like, I mean, I don't know if we talked about it on here, but Doom Patrol, like, that's a show that you have to watch, like, repeatedly to really understand what's going on. Because that show introduces concepts of stuff that's like crazy, but like, well, funny, weird, crazy. Because I've read a few of the comics. Um, but that, you know, you want to talk about, you know, getting characters, right. You know, Brendan Fraser as robot, as robot man. Perfect. Diane, Diane, I can't say this enough. Diana Guerrero as crazy Jane. Yep. It's probably one of the best performances of any show. The fact that she, she plays 10 different characters, but like each one unique, doesn't feel like a copy of the other. It's just like, it's crazy. Cause that, that's a character that on paper it's like, yeah, this is one person doing different roles, but the fact she really commits hard and really and she, goes into it. And yeah. she's good. She's really wow. good. Like she seems like different people when she does it. Yep. So yeah, no, we're gonna yeah, no, that's what I'm saying. We're gonna be knee deep into a bunch of shows. Uh next week we will uh and Bert, yeah, just reach out, let me know what's up. But yep. next week though, we're not gonna really have a movie though, because we have what if, which drops tomorrow. So yeah. we're gonna be super Sorry. amped to talk about that. We have Stargirl, there's a season two premiere. We're going to have uh, Superman and Lois, which was on tonight as well, and Titans. We'll also be talking about the first episode of Titans because 
we weren't sure if they were dropping them one at a time, but I'm pretty sure that I saw that they were going to be dropping them one at a time, so we can't talk about them weekly instead of having to give people time to, to catch up on a season, which was what we did with MODOK and, and uh, Masters of the Universe Revelation, is that we kind of gave people two weeks to watch it, and then we jumped into the whole thing. So, um, all right, yeah, and if you want to catch more of Bert's stuff, uh, Bert, where can uh, where can people find you if they want to read some of your stuff and you know catch you? Well, I mean, the best way, uh, popculturepros.com. Uh, most of my current reviews are on there, but um, a lot of them uh, from the older ones you can find on Google. Just, uh, you know, I've done pretty much a lot of them the last five years, so they're easily accessible. IMDb, anywhere. Um, but yeah, like, uh, I don't have any this week, but I'm usually uh, pretty consistent with them. So I just keep look keep lookout on the site for them, because that's most, more or less where they get posted. And yeah, and, and check us out next week. Well, uh, you know, and if you're on Facebook, join Granny's PhD's uh, Facebook group as well. We share a bunch of various stories that maybe we don't talk about on here. You can catch the show every week. If you're into wrestling, Bert's on there too on a Just Too Sweet show. He'll pop in from time to time with Tim and Eric. They're usually on Tuesday nights. If you're into the Yankees, you can catch me and Lisa. We're on Sunday nights now uh, talking about the Yankees once a week. If you're into the Mets, you can catch Farachi and the guys. They uh, cover the Mets on the Put It in a Book show. Um, and then Jader and Kyle, they do their movie reviews as well. And they talk about all types of different movies, uh, you know, from all different kinds of, uh, genres. So, um, thanks for joining us. We appreciate it. Uh, oh yeah. And I'm sorry if you're joining us on YouTube, please subscribe on pop culture pros and then watch everything, watch it all, ingest it all, man. And also keep up on the uh, podcast feed on Spotify. Yes, on Spotify and Anchor. Or, yeah, on, on Anchor, on uh, Apple iTunes, and everything, wherever you find your podcasts, subscribe, check out all the shows when you can. So, everyone, stay safe out there and have a good night. We will see you next time. Peace. Later. Later.